It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you made your own horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take Mutants, The Dutch, and Twincest? Why you get Hemoglobin. Hello, everybody. Wow, that ended weirdly. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And we're here looking at a film that was, well, recommended by my wife. And I'm still trying to figure out why she still <laughs> enjoys this movie. Um, <laughs> she explained it to me, but to me, it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we'll talk about it as we get through the rest of the film. So this is a Canadian film from 1997, and it premiered uh, at some random fizz festival. I can't remember which one, but it did make its way directly to video <laughs> in 97. And there's plenty of reasons why I think why it came to directly to video. Now, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure that we'll hear it in the background if I did not, uh, but... My, what my wife says that for some reason she was drawn to this film and whenever they go to the video store, she'd have to rent it. Like that was the thing. She's like, she's seen this so many times and it's just kind of a, again, a little bit of a, like a weird thing to me, uh, especially as you get right into the film and what goes on. I was just like, what the hell did she have me watching? Because this isn't my first time ever seeing this movie, period. And I found it on YouTube, and you can find it there too. So if you're really interested in watching it, you can. Um, this is not necessarily one that I would say you need to watch before listening to the podcast. But if you're really interested, just by the little intro there that I gave just like before the credit theme and everything else, if that interests you in any way, watch it before you see it. But you can kind of make out what's going on, even if I'm going to spoil things for you, like just... Basically, from the first five minutes, you know, like, ooh, what's the mystery? Uh, you figured it out within that time. It's, it's just terrible. Um, we're gonna go through, uh, plenty of the film here today. So, um, yeah, like I said, I watched it and I watched it with Greek subtitles. Um, and there are other versions of it. Now, there are two versions that are out there. There's technically three. Uh, as we talked at the end of the last episode, and I apologize if that was a little confusing, I just forgot to add what the movie was going to be, and so I just kind of did it quickly, tacked it on, and, and moved forward, just so I had a movie to talk about for this week. Um, but it's called Bleeders, right, here in the U.S., when it came over here, and it's called Hemoglobin was the original name of the movie, and that's why the podcast has that title that you can see. 
Um, but it also has the AKA. And I think there's another version of it. It's called like the Descendants, which is the third version, which is what's on Amazon Prime. It's all the same movie. The big difference is, is that Hemoglobin, if you can find that version of the film, which is mostly the international version of the film, that one has some extra nudity in it. There's a lot a lot of boob in this movie, and I was very surprised. And it happens almost right away. But it's how the scene is done, and you won't get the awkward sex scene that happens in this movie if you don't watch Hemoglobin. You might get it. It's like truncated. And in the original version of it, it's... Okay. I have to imagine what age my wife was when she was asking to rent this movie, too. And I really hope that it was more towards her later teenage years and not when it came out in 97. Um, and if it was, then hopefully it was the Bleeders version. So it was really cut down and she didn't see, like... <laughs> it's so ridiculous well i don't want to ruin it right now but we'll talk about it when it comes to it or, or i guess i'll talk about it i always feel like we're talking together whenever i do one of these episodes but i can see her in the back shaking her head and saying yes she used to rent this when it came out so uh she was pretty young uh in which <laughs> makes me laugh even more that this was the films like i gotta get this there's tons of other films out there but i have to get bleeders this is the film i have to see fuck the lion king fuck the little mermaid let's go watch bleeders <laughs> this film is the one <laughs> this is why I love my wife. I, I will tell you right now because, and like, if you've never listened to like the very first couple episodes, this is this is Bond from basically her love and my love of bad horror movies, and this definitely fits the bill. And even you know, back when you know I would do this with my friends, she was already doing this too uh, at the, probably around the same time. Um, but uh, you know, since she was at least you know, 12 years old or possibly even younger than that. Of course, she was also watching, like we explained in the last episode, uh, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street movies when she was like five. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things that goes on. I can't believe it still makes me laugh so much that this, that this specific movie, I have to get this. We have to watch this. Mom, please. And then her parents were like, oh, sure. Go ahead, <laughs> watch it. Uh, you know, my parents would have never done that. They've been like, um, I think this is too scary for you. And then, you know, I would have been like, oh no, it'll be okay. No, no, no. And that would have been when I was like 16 or something like that. <laughs> and here she is at seven. Ooh, let's watch Chucky. <laughs> Chucky, I'm sorry, it's Chucky. <laughs> and that was when, when she was even much younger than that. So... <laughs> Why don't we, instead of me going through this, so th like I said, uh, continuing on or whatever is going on here, uh, I have a loss for words and I keep thinking about this, but let's just go ahead and jump into it. And like I said, I have no reference to this movie. This was just, you should watch it. And I think that she's actually suggested this to me multiple times and I finally took her suggestion. So this episode is for her. Uh, so <laughs> here we go. We're going to jump right into the film. And you're going to learn exactly where this movie is going to go within the first, like, ten seconds of the movie. In 1652, the King of Holland forbade intermarriage inside aristocratic families when his doctors discovered the anemia 
hemophilia, and the other genetic weaknesses his noblemen were building into their bloodlines. But Eva Van Damme was a narcissist, one of the great ones. Unable to make love to herself, she settled on the closest satisfactory substitute, her own twin brother. When she heard the king's decree, Eva Van Damme packed up her family, her brother, cousins, nieces, and nephews, and transplanted them to the new world. She built a great mansion there. With the passage of time, the doors closed to outsiders, and finally the Van Damme family disappeared entirely from view. Okay, so first, what I gotta say about this whole thing here is that the audio is taken from YouTube, so it's not gonna be the best in the world. I tried to clean up as much as I could uh, so that you guys can hear it better. It was so goddamn low, it, you don't even wanna know. But I cleaned up as I can, but it might be a little heavier uh, in your left ear than in your right, and that's really just because of the audio source that we're getting it from. Second, there's going to be a couple things where, like this one, where I've cleaned up some areas because there was just way too much music, or I eliminated some background noise because it made for much longer clips than it needed to be. Like, that was almost a three-minute clip because there was so much goddamn music in it with the world's most boring fucking narrator that I have ever heard in a fucking movie. Like, it sounds like the guy is trying to be like regal and like a historian telling this thing and going through it but he's just like and here i was sitting eating my breakfast and i just i couldn't do it anymore and there sat ava across the room eating her breakfast and she looked like she was about to puke out an egg and, and it's like okay like it could be interesting why is she gonna puke out an egg uh who knows but the guy is just trying to be like like, British boring. Like, it's... No knock to anybody. Sorry, Neil. Uh, but that's just, like, what it is. And then you have to think about how he's making this delivery about this whole thing. And it's about the King of Holland forbidding, like, incestuous relationships. Oh, guess what? We can't do them anymore. Because there's things that are wrong with the bloodline. And there's hermaphrodism built into it oh but no then there's this narcissist of a lady this this ava person i again this is the movie that she wanted to rent all the time <laughs> this movie <laughs> and she's she can't fuck herself <laughs> so she does the next best thing and seduces her twin brother into sleeping with her because that's her because it's twin cest. That's just the way to go. <laughs> it's just it's it, what? How do you start a movie like this? And then how do you have this narrator that's going on that is so goddamn boring? And you're like, you got this really shitty music to. And it's like, this belongs in some like Cleopatra Egyptian shit. And meanwhile, you're here in fucking Holland or the Netherlands. And you've got these Dutch people, this Dutch narcissist that just 
she thinks that she's so beautiful that she should fuck herself and she might as well just fuck her brother because her brother is just a male version of her. But it's possible if they have sex, they're going to have maphroditic children that turn out to be mutants. I wonder where we're fucking going in this movie. <laughs> like, everything is laid on the fuck. And you have the most boring motherfucker telling you this story. And you've got this guy that's sitting there and he's like painting and he's got this really terrible fake mustache. Like, he's trying to be like, oh, I'm French painting this thing back here and you can see and he's like painting her nude and then it cuts to her and her brother getting it on like right away within the first minute of the movie there's boobs great they're nice boobs nice boobs for 97 i'll have to give her that but it's just like really this part must have been truncated somehow like that none of this other stuff was seen that you just went through it and so they move the family. You know what? She just says, you know what? I can't take this anymore because I really want to fuck my brother. And we're going to get the fuck out of here. We're going to go to the new world and make a mansion. And then they faded away. Okay. They, what? <laughs> couldn't this have been something that wasn't at the beginning of the movie? Like, couldn't we have made this, like, something in the middle so that it was a mystery of what was going to happen? Like, instead, we're... <laughs> why are we given this right now? It makes no sense to me why it has to be so early on. And I just I remember pausing for a second and thinking... What the hell is going on? And then you get the whole credits, and now we're somewhere in Canada, Maine. I don't know where the fuck we are. We're somewhere. It's some island in the New World, and it's now modern. Well, you know, modern for 1997, I guess you could say. But it's modern day, and we're on a boat, and that's where we meet a couple of our main characters. And we see that there's some problems that are going on on the island as well. That's the county cemetery. There's big trouble there. Really? Are those women? Not a record. What are they doing? The county caught the owner, Bertie Gordon. That's her there. Using substandard wood in her coffins. Made a big political stink out of it. Forced her to dig them up. Took away her contract. Birdie's always trying to cheat somebody out of something. Coffins are going to be shipped back to the mainland for reburial. Birdie's mad as hell. So we see that they're these new, this newly married couple, or this married couple. I don't know how long they've been married. It seems like they've known each other for a long time, and that makes sense because spoiler alert: she's the guy's nurse. So this here is Kathleen, or Kathleen, or Kathy, or whatever the hell you want to talk about her. This is Wispy Talker because she's always talking like this. Like she never just fully enunciates the words it always sounds like she's like short of breath and she just finishes the fucking sentence she's not as bad as alice that comes up later but she's pretty terrible and then there's john and john is our main like subject of the movie and the reason why they're coming here okay he's sick Okay, he's very pale, but he's only pale from the, like, forehead to the neck. 
and then everything else is perfectly fine. It's like, we only have enough white paint or white powder to cover his face. We can't make the rest of his body pale. We can only do that. And he wears the cheapest fucking suit the entire fucking movie as well. So you can tell what the budget went on. And it happens to be Rutger Hauer, who's going to show up later in the fucking film. But it's it's so fucking terrible because... It's almost like if you've ever seen the movie Powder, okay? And you know the main character that's in that movie? Now imagine that it's just the fucking face. You know, and then he has the red and blue eyes that symbolize something that we'll talk about later on in the film. But that's his big thing. But right now he's wearing sunglasses. And, you know, he has to wear his sunglasses everywhere. And he's got his cane because he can barely fucking stand up. And I guess she fell in love with him and she married him for some reason. But he's dying. He wants to find out why. And that's the reason why he's fucking here, right? Um, even though we're going to learn that in probably a little bit. But I'm going to run ruin some things a little earlier because, man... Just get fucking pissed when I think about certain things. But his whole demeanor is absolutely terrible. Like, he just looks, he says, like, one or two lines, and then he stops. And then just looks into the distance. And I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. That's it. Those are, like, his, like, main things. And then he finally, like, gets some fucking balls later on in the film. But he's just so, like, he's supposed to be out of it, I get, and he's not doing well. But those two don't necessarily pair, like, well together. And, you know, she's actually become somewhat of a reputable actress past this movie. She's done a bunch of things. She's won some awards. But she mostly does Canadian TV is what she's done um, and then we all know Rutger Hauer, but nobody else in the movie really does a whole lot. You know, it's Roy Dupris. He's the one that's playing John. Christian Lehman is the one that's playing Kathleen. And then there's a couple other people that are in there, like Birdie, who probably is, I would say, probably the best acted person besides uh, Dr. Marlowe, who we'll meet in a little bit. But it's just... It's so ridiculous. After that, after he finds a little bit about the coffins, and the coffins are just kind of like a portent to what's going to happen later on in the film. Of course, then that's where John starts having like an attack, and blood starts coming out of his nose, and he kind of like faints. Like he's fucking blue blood royalty. Like that type of thing. Oh, my medication. (laughs) Just falls fucking over. And so, of course, they've got to get him. And as they're coming up to the land, that's where we get to meet Alice and Birdie for the very first time. And they need to go see a doctor as soon as possible. You low-down thieves. There ain't nothing wrong with them coffins. Besides, I know one's going to be concerned or one's in them. I need a doctor quickly. Well, there's a kind of a doctor just arrived. Lives on the other side of the island. Uh, hang on. Alice, we need your boat. It's not the easiest way, but it's quicker. I may get some guests at the hotel. 
With any luck, a burial plot, too. Thank you. I'll pay you whatever you want. Oh, that, that's not necessary. Don't worry about it. Okay, so the main reason that they're going to go is because, of course, like I said, John, he got really sick and he kind of fell over, but... You know, Kathleen did have the medication, but one of the boat people stupidly knocked it into the water. So they weren't able to get it. He's like, go get the medicine. And he's like, it's way too late. It just fucking dropped in the water. You could have dove after it. It wasn't like super heavy. That thing's got to be buoyant as fuck. Like you could easily go over there and just get it. You just don't want to get fucking wet. And you're okay with this guy fucking dying right in front of you. So they get into the boat with Alice and that's where they go to see the doctor. Now, like I said... We got to meet Alice really, really shortly here, and she's the one that's going to be driving the boat, and she's okay. Uh, Birdie, I actually really enjoy that character, even though she's kind of a bitch, but the actress that plays her actually does a really good job being that character. And even right away, like, you can kind of see, you know, that if there was going to be, say, like, somewhat of an antagonist of this movie out of the regular people that are there, it's her, because automatically she's just, like, thinking of dollars and, like, hey... Here I am, you know, they're at least going to be staying the night when they come back. Or, at least I'm going to have another funeral service. But then I had to think about it. I'm like, wait, didn't they just say that she lost all of her rights? And she, like, can't bury the bodies anywhere? So she's still going to have her little, like, company. But they're not going to be able to do anything with the body. So what exactly are they going to do? So Alice takes the, the... gang uh you know over to where the doctor is and during the meanwhile we get to kind of get a little glimpse of the people that live under the town only for a moment when we see the kids basically playing morticians uh in the basement of birdie's place guys i don't like it down here prepare the body for burial lie down daisy play dead (laughs) <laughs> Who are you supposed to be? Bertie Gordon? <laughs> Formaldehyde, please. Ben, you booger had it's all over me. What are you kids doing down there? Uh, nothing, Mrs. Gordon. Uh-oh, we're in big trouble now. So, of course, the little boys left the girl to be the blame for everything that was down there. See, what happens with them in the little basement, they have a dog that basically actually kind of looks like my parents' dog. It's a Border Collie. I can kind of say, you know, well, maybe it was like the mix of whatever. But nonetheless, it was. there's a dog on the table and they're going to pretend to be embalming the dog. And so instead of just doing like you would, right? You're going to use either something like a drip or something because it's going to replace the blood. So it's a blood in, blood out type of situation that you've got going on here. Which, of course, already talking about it, kind of freaks me the fuck out, to be honest with you. If you're ever, I could never be a fucking mortician. Like, even my wife, she's looking at me with a smile because she knows that I would hate to be around dead things all the fucking time. Even though I watch all these movies, that's just the way that it is. But it's 
like, the, they have the dog on the table, and it's like, lay down, doggy, and then, like, get the formaldehyde. And then instead of, like, pretending, like, poured in something, he just takes the top off and starts splashing it on the dog like it's fucking gasoline, and he's about to set it on fucking fire. Just, here you go, and then it gets all over the girl, all over the dog. It's terrible. You don't want to be smelling like fucking formaldehyde for days. What kind of son of a bitch are you that you're going to do that? Like, you don't even know how to play Mordition right. You, you don't do anything. If anything, I would imagine that they would have taken, like, the scalpel or something out and, like, pretend to cut the dog. And then, oh, we're going to remove the liver here so that way we can preserve it. And we're going to remove the heart and just sew it all back up and pretend to do those things instead of, oh, get the formaldehyde. And then, of course, when they start getting in trouble, all the boys have to run the fuck away and just leave the one girl down there. And then that's where you get a glimpse of something underneath the whole mor- like mortuary, I guess you can say. It's like a combo place. It's almost like a you know one of those KFC Taco Bells you go to, but instead this place is in-slash-mortuary. What kind of business is that? Here, here's a bed and breakfast, and if you died, you can get a free funeral for the two for the price of one. Way to go. Or, you know, I guess this is where you can come from out of state. And you can have all your funerals there and then have everybody stay directly at the hotel. What kind of place is this? I just don't fucking get it. So, they basically run away. She sees the little creepy thing. You get a little glimpse of it. But then Alice comes in time basically to kind of save her. Even though the thing wasn't trying to get out from underneath the whole, you know, mortuary bed and breakfast place. From here, we switch back over and we see that Kathleen has arrived at the doctor's place with John, knocks on the door, nobody enters, because the poor doctor back here, played by Rutger Hauer, uh, he's too busy listening to his music and staring off in the distance and being a drunk fucking asshole. And so she ends up breaking in, puts him on the table, and that's when the doctor comes over, and she explains to the doctor what exactly is going on with John and what he needs to survive. What can you tell me about the disease? It's a degenerative congenital blood disease. That's, that's all we know. Don't know anything more about it. You're from Paris. He was raised in Paris, yeah, on an anonymous trust fund. It took a lot of digging, but um, we traced the fund back to the bank Bangor, and this birth certificate said he was born here on the island. Staus. It doesn't ring a bell. We thought maybe he might have some relatives that lived on the island that knew about the disease or had dealt with it or tried to treat it. Well, it's not impossible. I'd say good luck. You know, for a doctor, you're really not very helpful. Who says I'm a good doctor? What about the doctor that signed the birth certificate, Dr. Asa Peterson? Do you know where I can find him? He drowned on a fishing trip. Look, I've only been here for two months. I can't help you. So you're just filling in here? Yeah, just filling in. I used to have a clinic in Africa, Johannesburg. Small and simple. I even had my own plane. I didn't know the boss just wanted me out. So one day... After I landed a bit rough, I took away my license. Said I had a drinking problem. I wasn't drinking. 
you weren't drinking while you were flying it, but you looked like you're pretty obviously been drinking all fucking day long. Like, this is such a weird thing that all of a sudden we have to know about this guy. And he has to give his whole backstory in one little bit because the movie is really not going to give you more to go on about any of the fucking characters. Like, this is it. Like, everybody that we're meeting right now, we're just getting little bits and tidbits of information that later on aren't really going to amount to fucking anything. So, it's weird because we're even going to meet some characters in a bit that they're there for a second... The one lady says something that I still don't even know what the fuck she was talking about. And then later on, something happens, and I'm like, okay, so it's all for this. And it's such a terrible fucking payoff. But even here, it's like, why do we need to know that he was or is an alcoholic and he really doesn't want to do anything on the island because he wishes he was back in Africa? doing medicine back there so you know what he doesn't give a fuck about the people here because he had to leave because he lost his license in, in africa but yet he's a doctor here or he's not a fucking doctor which one is it which which way do we go and why do you want to tell this to her because you don't want to do any fucking work you'd be like yeah i'm a doctor but i'm not really a doctor because i'm not licensed is that what you're trying to say I, I really don't know why we need to know all of this. All it should be is that, oh yeah, I'm the doctor, I'm just kind of new here. Like, this could be like a Doc Hollywood situation. that He came from big area, and it just wouldn't be as funny, I guess. But anyway, he comes from a big area, and now he's going out into the ruralness, and he just doesn't really want to be here, but this is the only place that he can find work. And he wanted to get away from it all, but maybe he wasn't living up to his standards. There. Done. I've made this character much, much better and much, much easier to fucking follow. Rather than, I used to be a doctor back in Africa. And I loved it there. And one day, when I landed a little bit too hard, they said I was drunk and took away my doctoring license. Not my plane license. I still fly planes. Yeah. And I make sure I get loaded as fuck before I fly them. That's the only way I can feel fucking alive, is to fly drunk as fuck as I can. And it's just, it makes no sense. And, and even when they're talking, like before she's talking about, yeah, get this specific medicine. And he's like, is he allergic to it? She's, no, I'm his nurse. I know what I'm fucking doing. This is what we use on him. And the first thing they says, I'm hungry. Like, fuck. Just eat fucking something and maybe you'll feel better. Get yourself a fucking Snickers. That supposedly works for everybody else in the fucking world. Maybe it can work for you too, okay? Except for I know what's going to work for you later on. So <laughs> the, the doctor has now treated him at least for a little bit and found out some more information about Kathleen and John. And we cut over real fast to the cemetery where they're still digging up all the the different coffins that are there because Bertie's coffins supposedly are pieces of shit and they look like pieces of shit because they're all kind of falling apart and so we see this one lady she walks over to one coffin and then it like moves and something grabs her and she basically dies of shock well I don't know if she dies because <laughs> she like looks and she's like oh, 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 oh and then she like falls over on her back and then nothing happens to her, and we look over there and we see the coffin has moved because some hand reached out and tried to grab her, and I don't know if it sliced her or it just... I think it just fucking scared her. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does, and it doesn't at the same time. Like, if the whole thing was is that we're trying to say that, like... Here, there's something going on underground, and there's, like, you know, we've already seen the monsters once, and here's the second monster that we've seen, 
and it's going out there and it's going to attack people, you know, and it's been basically, it makes sense later in the movie, but right now it's kind of like, why? Why do we need to see this? Um, and I still ask why, other than like, you should see more close-ups of all the coffins or like when they raise the coffin out, there are weird holes in different places. Like, why doesn't anybody inspect that? But no, it's more like, and oh, faint or die. I don't know which one it is. And then that's it. So we got a whole minute of this scene where we, we see that maybe what's happened with the coffins isn't necessarily Bernie's fault, but maybe Bernie is using inferior parts, which makes it easier for them to go and get the bodies. So from here, we go back over to the doctor and the couple. And basically, there's an earthquake, and he lets them know that this happens quite a bit on the island, and it's nothing to be afraid of. They kind of ask him, okay, well, where do we stay for the night? And he says, oh, there's the inn in town. And they're like, great, would you take us back there? And he's like, sure, I'll drive you in my car. Honestly, you feel like I'm probably going through this extremely quick, but really, this is exactly what's happening. And it's not very fucking exciting at all. Okay, this is the way the movie is for majority of the movie, and it's terrible. <laughs> but but <laughs> so he starts driving him back, and he has a little weird question that he asks him. And I'm only playing a clip this short because it has a lot of importance for later in the movie. How old were you when you moved to Paris? I don't know. I was a baby. So he's very, like, connected to this place, and he doesn't really know why. And that's kind of what we're going to learn a little later as the movie goes along. But if you've already kind of guessed it, you would probably already know what is going on with him and the way the movie is. But you don't necessarily know why, right? Or exactly what it is that causes him to feel this specific way. You know that he has some connection to some things. You know that he has connection to certain people, but you just don't know what the sickness and that connection necessarily is, right? And that's kind of what we're going to find out as the movie moves along. But I'm pretty sure that you guys are relatively smart and you can deduce already what is going on with John without me like straight out saying it. It's... Really, And that's why I feel like that beginning scene is so terrible to put in this early of the film. Like, I get it, you want to talk about something else, but maybe you just kind of talk about how she moved over there, and then that's it. She didn't agree with certain things, she moved on and created her life over there and there. And then you learn out later that it's an incestuous relationship that she couldn't do, so she did it here. And you learn that much later in the film, or when John learns about everything with the family, you hear something like that. And, you know, I'm not trying to ruin things right now, but I just feel like... (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to have it so early on in the film. So they get back to the hotel and they ring the little bell and nobody shows up. But they do recognize that their bags have been brought there. Because Bertie, being the shrewd businesswoman that she is, probably brought her bags over because she knew that they were going to have to have a place to stay. So why not stay at the Mortuary Inn and just fucking do it? I'm having the worst time in the world saying Mortuary, by the way. I keep stumbling over my fucking tongue. So... John decides that, oh, I'm going to look around the place. And when he looks around, I should also mention, too, is that when they were with the doctor, 
Like he took off the sunglasses and he looked at his eyes and he's like, which one do you like better? And you notice that both the eyes are a red and a blue, right? And that's indicative of something else that we're going to learn later on in the film. So he's in there, he's wandering around. And then when he goes into basically like the viewing room, he sees a coffin there. And then there's something that is just very enticing to him in the air. See, you're looking so much better. Mother figured you'd be staying, so she had your luggage brought over. What is that smell? Oh. Sorry. Uh, we're preparing the mortuary for Reverend Shea's widow. We heard. Hi. Hi. She was a real nice lady. Hey, did you hear about the coffins? Somebody's been breaking into them. Yeah. Aren't there any men on the island? Oh, they're all out with the fishing fleet. Except for my dad, Hank, because uh, he helps my mother. How about the bridal suite? Thank you. And so they go over to the bridal suite, and we kind of get little hints of everything here. You know, he's just kind of like... It's weird when you listen to the way that he says it, and he's just kind of like, what's that smell? And it's not like a, what's that smell? And she takes it in that way, but the way that he's kind of doing it, it's it's hard to tell because the acting is so terrible, but it's more in like that like enticing type of way that he's saying, like, what, what's that smell? Like, like that type of thing, instead of, what's that smell? What's that smell? Like, he went to the Keanu... Or maybe this is where Keanu Reeves learned how to act. Is directly from this guy in this film. Like, he studied hemoglobin like crazy. And he decided that this is the best way to do it. And I'm just going to continue with this. And then Keanu decided, you know what? I need to get a little better. And then he got better as years went on. But in the beginning, especially like Midsummer Night's Dream. I'm pretty sure this is exactly where he lifted his role from. Like, what art thou? Whoa. So... <laughs> It's my worst piano I could possibly fucking do for anybody. But nonetheless, so they go upstairs, and that's where we learn a little more about John. Well, maybe a little more about their relationship. And that, man, he is always hungry, but it seems like he never fucking eats. It's strange being here. Well, it's a place where you were born. I know. Makes me anxious. Oh, honey, that's completely understandable. How can you not be anxious looking for your family? Stop being so understanding. What are you looking for? Phone book. Maybe the trousers are listed. There's no phone. Okay, so it's very strange in this whole little scene and the interaction between the two of them. 
first he's like, you shouldn't be so nice to me. Like, well, what should you be? Should you be just a fucking bitch to you? Man, why do you gotta have this fucking blood condition? Man, you couldn't you be fucking normal? I don't want to have to go to random places. We could have been living in fucking France. But instead, no. I had to come all the way here over to the new fucking world. Come back to the States and deal with your fucking bullshit. What? I, I get it. It's kind of one of those things. And maybe you have being a little hyperbolic about the whole thing. But... It's one of those situations where it's kind of like, why? Why do you have to feel like you need to be, you know, why are you so good to me? Like, I don't really deserve this. I have, I'm just causing you problems, but you're still being great to me. I get it. It's that type of thing. But it's still kind of like, just his delivery, you can't get that type of inflection from it. It's just, ugh. And then he's like, oh, I'm so hungry. Hungry. And then she gives him a sandwich and he stuffs the whole fucking thing. Like it's fucking Garfield over here just throwing lasagna in his fucking mouth. And then just not fucking swallowing like a fucking pelican. Going on there, triggering his back. Not, but then he doesn't do anything with it. He literally spits out the entire fucking sandwich. And it's like whole. It looks like he's like scarfing it down and like chewing it. But no, he's just fucking hamstering it in his fucking face. And then he's got his cheeks all blown out and then... Here it comes back out. And now it's a whole fucking sandwich. It's like, well, I guess we're going to have to save that for later. Luckily, it looks like it was just cheese and fucking bread. Like American cheese. Like not even melted in the damn thing. So if she's a nurse, I guess she's just making hospital food fucking sandwiches that you got here. We're going to do this as cheap as possible. You know what? I don't blame her if she's not eating any of it or he's not eating any of the damn sandwich. Just give him a fucking piece of cheese and fucking wheat bread and leave it at fucking that. Because it's cheaper and maybe he's going to eat it later. So it's just kind of a weird fucking scene that you got in. And it's weird to see the way that the two kind of interact with each other. And it... it seems like there's something there like she's a lot more in love with him than he is with her that's one of the kind of weird things and one of the vibes that i get from this film and like i felt like it would be a lot different but it turns out that it's really kind of seems that way like you know here she took care of him for so long that she fell in love with him because she had to like take care of somebody and that's just the way it is and he just accepted it i'd never find love because of my condition and you you love me and that's just the way that it's going to be like that's it that's their whole romance we've set the whole thing up movie's over okay let's go ahead and let's find out what we're watching next week no it's just it's really kind of crappy. <laughs> so they decide to then now go out and walk amongst the town and find out what exactly or who Strauss is and where he's been so they can find more information about him. And that's where we get this one random little scene with these two sisters and one that doesn't speak anymore. And the beginning of it, I just, I, I, I don't know why it needs to be set. You keep your filthy eyes off him, baby Laura. Tooth your sound first. Hi. Could you help us? Do you know if there's anybody named Strauss on the island? My husband's very ill. We're trying to find his family here. He's from the island? The Strauss family? Mm, I don't know anyone named Strauss. I'm John Strauss. 
I'd really appreciate any help. What's your accent? Is that Italian? Maybe she could help us. Baby Laura? Oh, she doesn't talk. She hasn't since she was six. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not your fault, hon. Anyhow, I'm sorry I can't help you, but there's no Strauss family here. So it's just really weird. Basically, you know, you have her sister that doesn't really talk anymore. And again, this is the character that I was talking about earlier that we're introduced. We give no backstory other than she saw something when she was young, which I'm assuming are, you know, the the monsters of the movie, the mutants of the movie that we're going to find out about in a little bit. And the real intro to them is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But... You know, she probably saw them scared of shitless, and then she doesn't talk anymore because she saw it as a little kid, I guess. You know, it, this movie wasn't that bad for my little wife because she talks a lot <laughs> for the most part, so it didn't scare her shitless enough. And even then, these monsters in this movie, I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe if I was five, I'd be scared shitless too. Uh, but we learn about this from her. But in the beginning, she's just like, oh, dirty eyes. You know, you can't have anything to do with him. What? Like, why? Why do you Why do you need to say this? Like, she's just, like, horned up over this guy automatically. I guess we don't see many men on this island. Just kind of what Alice said. They work mostly in the sea or they help in different areas. So when a handsome man comes in, I guess everybody needs to get a piece of him. And he's not even that good looking. Like, it's almost like John Stamos light. You know, in the days of the old full house where he had the flowing fucking feathery fucking hair. And then he always wore like the one suit jacket or the blazer that he did whenever he went out. And I'm sure that this guy, you know, John eventually is going to pull out a guitar and play and sing a really shitty song. And then he's going to have Aunt Becky come with him at some point and get everybody on the island fucking pregnant with twins. Something weird's going to happen like that. But... It's just like, I guess everybody's like seeing this this guy and they're just like, yeah, I gotta have that pretty soon. And all she, this other lady, the sister, all she can do is stare and fucking drink. Because that's the only thing I see her do for most of the movie. And these characters only get introduced here and you don't see them till towards the end of the movie. That's it. Why? Why do we need these guys? Don't fucking know. Don't fucking care. Let's just go on with the rest of the movie. So, while John and Kathleen are out around the town looking for more information about the Strauss, like family tree or whatever they need to find, we see Alice kind of looking over them and she feels really bad for them because she thinks they're really nice people. And she says this to her mom, Bertie, who promptly says to her, uh, people are dicks. They're always going to be dicks. And you just, you know, everybody's the fucking same. And she's just like, well, I'm, I'm not. And I hope that other people aren't out there. And really, Alice is the complete opposite of her mom. Her mom is only really for herself, looking at the money side of things. You know, this is a business. Death is a business for her. But for Alice, death is something different. Like, what she does with this job, she seems like she really cares, you know, when she sees the people. Because as she's, like, preparing the body below, you kind of get a little bit about that. And especially with how she cares for Kathleen and John, who she just met. So she's really empathetic. And that allows her, well, gets her to allow Kathleen to borrow the boat to go see the doctor once again. Yeah, that's better. I always really admired your hair, Mrs. Shapes. Always so neat and organized. Alice, are you 
Fluid. I always smell of it for days after. I was wondering if I could get a ride across to the other side of the cove with you. Um, I'm gonna be here a while with Mrs. Shea. Do you think you can handle the boat alone? No problem. I grew up on the vineyard. It was mandatory. The keys are in it, but be careful because the weather changes real fast around here. And there's a storm warning out. Okay, thank you. Um, please don't mention this to my mother. Promise. So she's a very nice person, basically. It's all we're getting about it. And we were meant to feel a little more empathetic towards Alice because her mom is a fucking bitch. But she's really, really nice. And, you know, she does care for the dead as well. Like, she's talking to the person on the table. And she's like, I just always really liked your hair. And, you know, she can't talk back to her. But her mom, again, she sees the body as dollar signs. And she's... Meanwhile, Alice sees her actually as a person still there and is just, like, again, feels bad for her, even though, you know, there's nothing really that the dead can do. So we see Kathleen take the boat and go towards the doctor's place once again, and that's where we cut back and we see uh, Alice talking to the dead. And then there's the conversation and the weird kind of, like, B story lead up. So, you know, the main story is really about Kathleen and John trying to find out what his past is. And then there's this weird little kind of B story that we do get a resolution to, but it's like, it doesn't make any sense why we need to spend so much time here and <laughs> learn more about the relationship between Alice, Hank, and Bertie. It's Coral Sunset, so. I know it's not your color, but it's the only one we've got. Christ's sake, Alice, quit yakking at the stiffs. It's nuts. Step on it, Hank. You aren't going to believe this. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Sugar. Dorothea tells Hank Mrs. Shea wanted to be buried in her necklace. What necklace? I never saw her wear that before. Shit. Who'd have thought a reverend's widow would have something like this stashed away? Where the hell she get it? Family heirloom. Must be worth a fortune. Aren't you the observant one? Of course it's worth a fortune. Fortune's gonna end up six feet under, doing nobody no good. That's what I call waste. And Bertie Gordon don't tolerate waste. Get busy. I want her on the ground before it rains. We're burying her at the Van Damme Cemetery. But the Van Damme Cemetery's private property. All the Van Dams are dead, so who's gonna stop us? Besides, the county's digging up our cemetery, right? And I don't want no more jerk officials nosing around in my coffins. Get back to work. It does seem a shame, don't you think, Daddy? Oh, I don't know, Princess. Mother's going to steal these jewels, isn't she? No, of course she wouldn't do that. Daddy... I couldn't tell this to anyone but you, but I'm going to leave the island. Oh, you wouldn't leave your old daddy, would you, Alice? I'd send for you. I couldn't leave you, Mother. You're just too good, Daddy. 
So this is kind of a weird situation that we've got going on, especially what we're talking about in this movie, right? And it can be taken a couple of different ways, and it gets kind of weird later on when Alice does what she does and what she says, again, to the poor old lady that she's eventually going to grave rob. Uh, Spoiler alert, that we've got going on there. So the weird thing that it is, it seems like they're could be like a relationship type of thing here or at least that she loves her dad so much because she sees what a bitch her mom is and she wants to take care of him right and she wants him to have a better life and eventually like she's going to leave and the father doesn't want her to leave and then she's kind of like well you can come with me and the dad's like no i i love your mom like i just can't do that And you could take it, because the way the movie is, you could take it that she's really in love with her dad and she wants her dad to be with her. Or that, hey, you know what, she just wants him to escape from this life that he's got with his, you know, his current bitch of a wife. And that's just what she's worried about. So, it's a weird little B story that we've got going on. Uh, with, you know, Alice wanting to get away from the island and she doesn't want to be there anymore. And her dad, you know, she wants him to go away with him, but he can't because he loves the mom. So, and that, you know, they both know, even though the dad says, oh, she'd never do anything like that. But they both know that she would steal the fucking necklace from the dead because she said, this is wasteful and I don't waste things. So, (laughs) here we go. We're going to find out what goes on there. So from here, we jump over and we see that, you know, once again, Kathleen is there at Dr. Marlowe's office. And that's where she talks a little more about the condition with the doctor and then reveals a bombshell from the movie that, of course, she has yet to tell her husband. I knocked. Sorry, no one answered. Oh. How are you? How is John? She's resting. I wondered if I could talk to you. Sure, sit down. Thanks. I just needed a sounding board, someone just to talk to. Have some tea. Thank you. The level of degeneration of John's blood is increasing, and his seizures are just getting worse. We've been to the best hospitals, and no one has any answers for us. Do you think that what John has is hereditary? What do you know of the Van Damme family? Nothing. Why? They came to the island about 300 years ago. They were a rich Dutch family. There's lots of stories about them. I studied Dr. Peterson's files. He was into genetic research. He found some evidence of inbreeding. Inbreeding can cause mutations, genetic changes. One of them which... You may probably know is the similar eye coloring, not unlike your husband. Or like this. Oh my god. You think John might be a Van Damme? Could be. Well, how can I get in touch with them? The last of them died 75 years ago. Uh, Dr. Peterson had a nurse. Her name is Lexi Krongo. You may want to talk to her. She still lives here. Thank you. Um, 
Of course he doesn't know. He doesn't know that she's knocked up because she's not going to tell him because she's come to you specifically to find out if there's any issues with the goddamn blood and to see if it's genetic. Like, is her kid going to have the same issues that John fucking has and basically doesn't want to worry him anymore because he might be like, oh shit, you know, uh, my my kid's going to be as fucked up as I am and I don't want to deal with it. So I get why she hasn't said anything. But at the same time, like, you would think that, you know, you want to say something and you want to find out something. Maybe I guess that's why she's on this journey that she's on because she knows she's fucking pregnant. But how she's hid it from him, I don't even fucking get. Because she's, well, maybe it's very, very early so she's not showing anything because when, you know, we do see more of her, it there's no way that she would even be like that much pregnant at all you know at least when did she find out don't know don't care just going to continue on with the movie the way the movie is going so the other thing is is that he pulls out a fetus in a jar because he started looking at the you know the records from the previous doctor that drowned in the ocean and that whom he replaced right so for some reason, you just like, you know what? I'm going to keep the fetus because, hey, there might be one day where I need to have this fetus in this jar and I need to be able to show everybody or somebody that's coming here. So why the fuck not? We'll just keep this fetus around for fun. And it has the two eyes. It has the red and the blue eye, just like John does. And that's the last supposedly known Van Dam. And you can see that there's a little bit of a mutation. And of course... You know, everything that we've talked about so far is leading us to believe the little monsters that are running around, well, those must be the Van Dams, right? Because we've already seen <laughs> this fetus and the other two little glimpses of the monsters uh, after they've almost gone after the girl uh, and what has come out from the hand that came out from the, the grave earlier. So the big issue that I have with everything that's going on here is it's kind of just... Forced is a weird word to say. Like, I don't want to be like, it's all forced upon us and we're having all this disposition here at this specific time. But it's like, I just feel like there's so much that we're being told at this one moment and that he knows so much from just doing a very tiny bit of research. And it's like, okay, how do you, how do you know all this? Like, how did you think, oh, well, you know, mutation's gonna happen with blah, 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 and here it is, I've got a fetus. Like, it's so almost, it's not like Deus Ex Machina where it's, it's all of a sudden it's unexplained and the day is saved, right? But it just seems so convenient that he has all the notes that he needs. He understands what's going on and he can tell her that, hey, you know, he's not really this, he's this. And because of that, here's a fetus. <laughs> like, this is preserved. And we know about this. And this came and then there's this, you know, nurse that's on the hill. And that's what we should do. And it's just, it's just so fucking weird that I, I just, uh, it, it like gets me in this specific, like, space. That I'm just like, okay, I might be done with this movie, but let's continue on. So from here, we see Kathleen go back over to the inn, and she goes back to John. And John just tells her that he's kind of, like, scared, and he's starting to have weird visions now. He had some kind of in the beginning, he was seeing things as he came there, but all of a sudden now, he's seeing, like, the weird mutant people, right? And he still says the same thing, like, he... 
it looks like she wants to tell him that she's pregnant and but he again he says that like he's hungry he's scared he's this and then he turns on her and he starts like trying to force his fucking tongue down at her throat like he basically starts to rape her he pulls off her clothes she's crying no not like this and this is ridiculously fucking awkward to watch let me tell you and this is a movie once again I don't know if it was in the version that she saw, but this is a movie that my wife wanted to constantly <laughs> rent. <laughs> but she wanted to rent a lot. It, it's... What? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, it, it, it's weird because she doesn't... She sounds like she's crying, but at the same time she sounds like she's laughing. And I know that's probably just me being terrible uh, and for like thinking that for a second. But it's just really weird with the noises that she's making and that she's saying no, 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 no. And I know that she doesn't want it, anything to be done this way and she doesn't want it forced upon her. But like he's like, I'm hungry and I'm just hungry for sex, I guess. And he's really like... If he's so weak, how is he overpowering her so fucking easily, too? It's just... It's a weird... I don't know if it necessarily needs to be their awkward type of scene that I really want to watch in a movie like this. So, eventually he does stop, and he even though he rips her clothes open, and, you know, they're both there, and he's saying that he's sorry, he can't believe that he did it, and then that's basically it for the scene. We also have seen the burial of the lady that Alice was working on. And that night, Alice escapes the house and takes her parents' truck or mom's truck, whomever's truck it is, and goes to the graveyard and starts to dig up the body. And she tells the body, I'm really sorry. I don't want to do this. And first, there's a rat scare, which, okay. I think if you're watching it inside of a theater, you kind of get it. You know, I'm just like, oh, okay, rat, I get it. That's the way you're going to do it with the grave. But then when she goes to grab the actual, like, necklace off of her neck, because she says, this is going to help me and Daddy escape. And the way that she says Daddy, too, is really fucking creepy. Like, it's constantly, it's like, (laughs) it's creepy at the same time it's funny, because it sounds like the, uh... (laughs) The episode of South Park where you have all the rich people moving in for token and, you know, you have Puff Daddy's kids. And he's like, Daddy, Daddy, would you buy me a horse, Daddy? Please, Daddy, buy me a horse. Like, it sounds exactly like that. Like, that's how she's saying it. And it's so terrible that I got to keep thinking about that. But at the same time, again, it also sounds like she's really in love with Daddy as well. And so there's like the other side that maybe the Van Damme people have infected the people that are also there in the town. Because actually this is based on a Lovecraft story, The Lurking Fear. Like a little bit of it. It's I wouldn't say it's completely based. It's like loosely based on that story. At least with the mutants and the whole thing about the family and the incest and those things. That stuff is still the same. But really, there isn't a guy like trying to find out himself and Dr. Marlowe is actually part of the story. It's weird. It's like it uses it as a, a template to make this story. So kind of it's interesting and you can actually kind of read the whole like synopsis of the plot and there's a couple really cool little Lovecraft sites out there if you want to read actually the whole story Uh, but it's you know she's there and she's going to go grab it and she's 
Again, talking about her and daddy going to be okay. And this is make sure that she goes. And when she goes to grab it, the fucking body of Nightmare on Elm Streets itself. Something pulls it through a small ass little hole. And for a second, it's a real person's body. And then the next second, like exactly like a Nightmare on Elm Street, it's a fucking mannequin that gets pulled through the hole really terribly. Uh, and then the thing actually ends up grabbing her as well and pulls her down through the hole. We see her get dragged away. And then that's the last that we're going to see of Alice for quite some time. We cut back over into the morning and we see that the mom now is ready with her shovel to go out to the Van Dam, uh, you know, estate and actually dig up the body and do what her daughter thought she was going to do. You haven't seen Alice this morning, have you? No, actually, we were hoping she could give us a ride to the Krongold place. What the hell for? It's... It's personal. Damn, where's that girl? Well, I got business out there anyway. I could dig as far as the cliffs in my boat. It's about half a mile from there. Thanks. 25 bucks. Take it or leave it. $25. I'll take it. Why would you be surprised that she's going to charge you $25 to go take a boat ride? Like, even ferries can be more than that, sometimes less than that. Of course, this is 97 so maybe it would have been like 15 bucks. But she's a shrewd businesswoman, so she's going to get her fucking money. That's just the way that it's going to go. And money seems like it's no object to John over here. He has his inheritance, by the way. And so... He's like, 25 bucks, sure, so I can go over and find out more about him, because that's exactly what Kathleen basically told him, that, hey, you know what, you may be a Van Damme, and that's something that might be related to you, so you should go check out the stuff that's out there on the hill, and that's where they're going. So, she's got a a fucking shovel in her hand, so they don't know what she's going to be doing, but you can kind of guess what she's going to be fucking doing, and she drives them out. And when they arrive, she shows them exactly where they're going to be going. Well, that's the Van Damme estate. There were a bunch of Dutch smugglers way back when. Legend has it they used the caves and this cliffs to hide their loot. We never found any, though. Last of them died in a fire up there in their mansion about 75 years ago. That's where you're going. Up there? Yeah, that's where Lexi lives. Has for years. She was a nurse. Oldest woman on the island. Lord knows what she does with herself way out there. She's an odd bird, that's for sure. Well, come on, I can take you part of the way. Follow me. It's a shortcut. Now, one of the things I didn't talk about right away, which happened shortly before all this happened, was the first encounters, true encounters, with one of the monsters. And it happens to be one of the funniest fucking things, I think, that that happens in the movie. So, basically, after we see, you know, poor Alice get dragged down into the underground tunnels that are there in the, you know, graveyard of the Van Dams, we cut over, you know, the next morning and we see one of the town ladies that, I don't remember the fucking name, I'm just going to call her Yellow Shirt because I just remember her wearing a fucking yellow shirt. But she's there, she's working with the fishermen people, and then she's going through because she hears sounds. And so she goes over into the different containers, and there's like a container of like mealworms, and then millipedes that just look like worms, some more fucking worms over there. And then there's one last container. And when she opens it up, what happens to be in there? But one of the mutants. Oh boy, it's time to see the mutant. (laughs) But the mutant. It's so fucking... Okay, one, it's fucking, like, stupid. It's dumb looking, okay? It's not not like terribly bad, but it's bad, 
Like, it's just, it's got a weird, like, elf type of look to it. It's got a slanted face, you know, bigger head. It's got the colored eyes, so you can tell that there is a relationship between them. But it looks like, this isn't the one that I call Stumpy, but <laughs> this one at least has fucking legs that can run on. Because it, it chases after her for a second. And then it just runs off the fucking pier. Like, it's just like, I gotta get away. Like, it's trying to do that Sonic the Hedgehog. Gotta run fast. <laughs> and it just runs off the pier. Right into netting to underneath the boat where the boat of Hank turns on. And it just obliterates the shit out of it. It's so stupid. Like, like the notes even here it says dumbass fucking monster in caps it's just it's so dumb that it just it doesn't like run away but it can't the thing is, is that you do find out a little later that they don't really like light so it has nowhere to escape to and if it's trying to run away because it got dragged there for some fucking reason because I think it was in one of the coffins and all the coffins got put back into that place this is my assumption and it couldn't get back home and it thought that it could get out and then when it gets out in light it's like and it doesn't realize that there's water at the end of this uh, little dock that's going here so it goes in the water and it just he sees something fall in the water now what's the first thing when something splashes into the water next to your boat that you're gonna do huh let's turn on the propeller because it might be a person and just fucking cut it up and that's what hank fucking does and it's so fucking ridiculous so hank then takes that body over to the doctor so the doctor can inspect it because the doctor is also looking at the blood from the fetus and the blood that he extracted from John. Subject is male, 33 years old. Blood shows preponderance of acanthocytes, indicative of severe hemolysis. It also shows marked similarities to the sample taken from the embryo, suggesting syndrome congenital, possibly inherited. So he brings in the on the body of the monster that's been completely destroyed and he's just basically okay well why don't you take a look at this doc and he proceeds to just throw it on the table there inside the doctor's office we cut over for a moment and we see that birdie she's now in the graveyard and she's basically getting ready to go over there and dig up the body but she notices that the car is there and that alice is here and she screams at alice you think you could get one over on me like she's like she's like jealous of her daughter because her daughter is basically robbing the grave before her and that was hers that was her grave to rob and she needs to make sure that alice knows that's the way things are gonna go and then of course she gets attacked by one of the mutant monsters and dragged below and she gets what she fucking deserves because she's kind of a bitch from, but here we cut back over and we see that Hank and the Doctor are talking. And we learn a little bit more 
about these monstrous mutants. Appears to be human. Cause of death, severe mutilation. Torso, well-developed. Testicles, fully descended. That damn thing just hopped off the pier right into my prop stock. Wait a minute. Now, superior to the penis, in an epidural fold, we discover a small, fully functional vagina. You're kidding. Seminal fluid present suggests a functioning hermaphrodite capable of having sex with itself. Huh. I need a drink. Make mine a double. Okay, what? What what did he just say? So he's he's got the body on the table, right? And it's all cut up, and honestly the makeup for that is relatively good. It's missing a head, it's just a torso, and you see the guts and stuff. But it's got a full-functioning penis and a full-functioning vagina and testicles. So, it's able to fuck itself and get itself pregnant. What? And how he discovers with the seminal fluid, too. This is the worst part. This is, like, the worst thing is he takes it on like the little tweezers or whatever he's working with and then he brings it up to his nose and he smells it and he's like yep that semen <laughs> what why what 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 how do you know how do you know i understand okay maybe i should know what my own semen smells like and i don't know if i've ever taken it and been like hey i'm gonna put it up to my nose so that i can make sure that i get a whiff of this so that later on i can go hmm yep that's jizz (laughs) oh that's hmm that's like a 97 oh no maybe it's been fermented a little longer (laughs) and the fact that these these things can can screw themselves like okay one like where is the dick in relation to the vagina like he says that it's like lower right so are they thinking more of like a turkey baster type thing so they like just jizz into something they stick the turkey baster and they squeeze and then they they get like that or is the vagina somewhere above so like the heart on like moves in a curve like that curve penises so that way when it gets hard it goes right in there and then they just like do ab crunches and then that that allows them to get to that point i don't really want to think about this anymore because this is really terrible that this is the way that these things have now evolved, right? That years of incestuous sex with each other has evolved them to the point that they can just have sex with themselves and produce their own kid who will happen to be another version of them with a penis and a vagina and a ball sack so that they can jizz inside of themselves. What? What the hell is going on with this movie? I don't get it. So, (laughs) now, okay, now we go back and we go back to John and Kathleen. And probably one of the longer clips that we're going to have for this this thing. But I wanted to cut it up originally and I thought, no, it doesn't really have a good part to cut it up in. 
And we're going to talk a little more about this lady when we come back from the cliff. But he does go up the cliff. So he's good enough to get up the cliff, right? And make it to wherever this mansion is. And outside is the old lady who happened to be the nurse for the Van Dams and was actually his nurse and gives him a little bit more information about his life. I've been expecting you. Miss Krungle? You know me? Oh, you're beautiful. Of course, I knew you would be a beautiful boy. Come here. Is that really necessary? Yes, it's necessary. Since they burned the estate, there's been all sorts of curiosity seekers, vandals. I have to protect the place. Oh, yeah. That's my job, don't you know? Come on now, boy. Come over here. Now, take off your shirt. Why? Go on. Open it up. I've got to look at that chest. Dr. Marlowe said that you were Dr. Peterson's nurse. Shh. Oh, yes. Yes, very nice. <laughs> oh, they're not so bad. You'll <laughs> real good. But how can Oh, I... you have every right to know it's your story. It was the islanders burned down the mansion. Killed off the whole family. Except for you. Doc Peterson and I had to get you out of here. We had to send you away. Salvaged enough from that fire to set up the trust fund for you. You know more than you're telling me. Why am I called Strauss, not Van Damme? That's my favorite composer. Strauss. Oh, yeah. Now, look here, John. I saved something for you. Hmm? Look. These were attached to your tiny infant hands. So it was you made them scratches on your chest by clawing at yourself, poor baby. <laughs> These attached to my hands? Why? Oh, Van Damme's did a lot of strange things. You've no... You've no cravings, am I right, boy? I'm always craving something, but I don't know what. Can you explain it? No. If you know about my disease, tell me. No. No. You, you better leave now. Tell me what you know. You can help me. No, I can't, boy. I can't. If you know anything about my husband's No, I told you. Get the hell away from here. So then she pulls a gun on them. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> we learn a little bit and a lot at the same time. Like, it's kind of weird saying it that way. So basically, here's this lady that has been waiting for him forever. Like, she's expecting him to come back. My thing is, does she wait outside every day? 
that did she decide at one point in time she was just going to all of a sudden sit out there and just wait for him? Like, okay, he's about that age that he should start coming back. Like, was that 10 years ago? Was that 15 years ago? Was that 30 years ago? Like, how long has she been waiting? And what else has she been doing? She's just sitting out there inside, like, you know, with her little wheelchair and just waiting there with her gun. Like, he's going to pop up one of these days. Is today the day? And then finally when she did it, like, (laughs) when he did it, not she, but when he finally showed up, she was like, just like creaming in her pants. Here he is. And we're ready to see him. I finally get to disclose everything that I need to to him because I've been expecting him to show up on this day. And then she doesn't really say much other than, Oh yeah, you're a Van Damme. Oh yeah, the reason that you have Strauss, my favorite fucking musician. Oh, you want to know what the hunger is? Fuck you, get the fuck out of here before I blow your fucking heads off, you stupid motherfucker. Like, it's so ridiculous that this is like where we went to with the whole situation. And the fact that she just, I'm going to wait out here forever, whenever the hell I just need to do. So, it, it seems like... She wants to say something, and she gives him some weird thing that he used to be attached to, that he scratched himself with when he was a baby, and so she's known him for an extremely long amount of time. We cut away from here to Dr. Marlowe again, talking with Hank, finds out that these creatures have multiple stomachs, so this is another reason why that, you know, if he is related to them that he probably feels hunger all of the time because you got plenty of stomachs to feed and you got to put a bunch of stuff in him. And then he pulls out a live eel for some weird reason. We then cut back over and we see John and Kathleen, they're walking away again. And then he decides that he's going to turn around because, you know what, that old bitch is lying and she's holding back more than she needs to. Why, John, they're all dead. There's nothing there for us. It doesn't add up. I thought I told you to leave. This is my house. Your house. I'm a Van Damme. There might be something inside to keep me alive. There's nothing in there for you, boy. Then why are you protecting it? I told you from vandals on account of the fire. Which happened 75 years ago. I'm not 75 years old. You didn't pull me from that fire. Why are you lying? I'm dying. You say you saved me as a baby. Why won't you help me now? Boy, boy, go home. If I was born after the fire... Leave it be. Then all the Van Dams did not die in the fire. Death can be a sweet release. Okay, so all of a sudden now, like, she's like big bad bitch here. I got my fucking, like, shotgun. I'm going to blow your fucking head away. And then she can't even, like, pull the trigger as she's coming up. Because, honestly, it's not just because that she's probably too weak to be handling that fucking thing. But it's also because she really doesn't want to kill him. And she doesn't want to show him the life that he, it seems like, needs to lead to fucking survive. Right? Which we find out to be true later on in the film. But she's just there like, no, and then she can't fight him off. You know, if she really wanted to kill him, she would just pull the trigger at some point. You know, but of course, 
She doesn't. But she's able to cock it just perfectly fine. So it's ready. It's loaded. And basically all she had to do was just pull the fucking trigger and night night John ended the movie. Hey, next episode we're watching, you know, something else. But instead, she takes him back inside. And then, you know, we figure out more of what's kind of going on with the family. This house will never burn down. <laughs> it's made from ship's wood, you see. Soaked in brine, permeated with salt. <laughs> hey. <laughs> there. Come on, this way. John. John. Van Damme still lived here when I was a girl. Nobody ever saw him. One day I, I snuck in here to have a look and I saw him eating. What did you see? Well, the, the townsfolk set flame to the mansion and killed everybody. Well, they did. Truth is, some Van Dams escaped into the tunnels below this island. So hooray, the Van Dams are actually still alive, and they live in the tunnels under the island. So instead of just kind of like blowing him off and not telling him what he needed to know earlier, and now she's telling him basically everything that, hey, here, here's what it is. This house never had a chance to burn down because it was made of sea wood, and there's a lot of salt in that sea wood, and that doesn't conduct fire. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know if that's true. I've seen plenty of boats, like, fall apart and turn on fire in the ocean. At least that's what movies have taught me. So I would think that this place would have burned down. It's also a lot of stone, so maybe the stone and that combination wouldn't happen to cause it to burn down in flames. Don't know. Don't care. That's just what the movie's fucking going with things. Then at the same time, she, like, basically says, yeah... They've managed to live here. They just live underground. They don't come up, and that's just kind of the way they do. And that leads, you know, poor John here to realize that his family is actually alive, if he really is a Van Damme. At the same time, we go back over into the cemetery area, and we see that the like the girls and the boys from earlier in the film, they're all playing with each other, and they're playing hide-and-seek, and eventually she steps in apart, and she gets dragged into the ground uh, with by one of the little mutant guys down there, and she gets dragged way into the tunnels. The boys go, and they run for help, and when they finally bring them there, the people are like, are you sure you're not just joking around, you're not lying? She's like, no. She got pulled down into the ground. Why would you not believe me? I've never lied to you about something like this before. And we were playing out here. And you know this. And so they go off and they're going to go get the doctor. Because they want the doctor to basically go down there. And find out what is going on with the whole situation. We cut back over to the house. And that's where we're learning a little more about what's going on between now this old bitch... Uh, John, Kathleen, and also the other creatures of the mansion. 
What do you mean to let you save me? Save me from what? From them. Because you were different. You were normal. I suppose in a way they were afraid of you. Still, it, it was a kindness. A kindness. Eva Van Dam. You know what I'm craving, don't you? You have to tell me. I can't. It's a secret. The great secret. You know what you're craving. You're craving that dick pussy of your family bloodline. That's what you're fucking craving. You want to get some rise you can so that way that you can create your own kids when you need to create your own kids. And at the end of that, that's where Stumpy shows up. And, and man, Dobby, he's fell on hard fucking times because he's now the house elf of this fucking place with no fucking legs. He's got, <laughs> he's got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. You got no legs. It's, it's terrible. And it, like, hops after her. Like, it chases her down and manages to slash her throat. Like, basically, it's kind of chasing everybody. And they're like, you got to get the light because they're afraid of light. Go get, you know, break a window or get me something. And eventually, Kathleen does open up one of the curtains that's there and shines the light on the, you know, poor little stumpy guy over here. Uh, But he does manage to kill her. But if she's been living in this house for so long... Why did they kill her now? Like, was the whole thing was like, he was against him learning the truth? Like, you can't tell him about us. Look at him. He's normal compared to us. He doesn't have, he has perfectly functional legs. He doesn't have a vagina. Like, you don't have to worry about it. He's like the most normal person that there possibly could be. Don't tell him what he is. And, ah, shit, you told him. So I'm going to have to fucking kill you now. Snitches get stitches and that's exactly what she got on her neck so you have this now situation where john's learned exactly what he is right and kathleen she's really just kind of been going along for the ride but she's got to be thinking in the back of her head oh shit i'm fucking pregnant like is this what they're gonna become is am i gonna give birth to a dobby is that what this is going to be I'm going to have a little fucking house elf running everywhere. Is it going to have legs? Is it also going to have a vagina, even though she doesn't realize that they could be both? Like, it also makes me wonder, how did he come out, like, perfectly normal if everybody else is so weird? It gets like he really is the golden child here, right? Except for he's not going to be, like, fighting a demon or anything like that. Well, who knows? Maybe he will. But he happens to be the most normal out of everybody. That they've been doing this for so long that they finally birthed one regular person that just happens to have a little bit of their disorder. We go back over and we see that the doctor has arrived over into the site where the girl got dragged into the tunnels, and he himself, for some reason, I, I, and I don't get this either, why is it that the doctor has got to be the one to go do everything? Like, they don't realize what's going on. Hey, he got dragged, or the little girl got dragged underground by some weird, strange creature things. And guess what, Doc? 
you're the one that has to be an action star and go in there. Because, you know what? You are Rutger fucking Hauer, and you've done a lot of this shit before, but this one, you're just a doctor that used to work in Africa and has no knowledge of monsters or fighting monsters, period. It's not like he's fucking Van Helsing and he's going to be going underground with his fucking crossbow and everything like that. They didn't set him up to be this, like, end-all, be-all guy to go save everybody. You know, but they make them that way because none of the other townsfolk are willing to go down there. We're going to go send the one doctor that's there. Well, if we guess we're going to ruin somebody that's, you know, living here. At least it's not somebody that was fucking born here, right? So he goes down to the tunnels and he runs into the creatures. And one of the creatures manages to slash his arm and he ends up following them down the hallway and eventually runs into Alice, dead, wrist slashed, blood drained. Uh, we see Birdie, same things happen to her, and the little girl is dead as well. Which, honestly, I was very surprised with. I thought it would have been one of those situations where they went down the tunnels and, boom, they found the little girl before they were going to do anything to her. Like, they put her into, like, a little room or something like that, or they had her captive or hung upside down, you know, like this is fucking Empire Strikes Back and she's going to get the Force and fucking slash herself down and kill the yeti-looking motherfucker that's back there in the corner that I can't remember the name of the damn creature, so sue me already. But I thought that they were going to do something like that. Turns out, nope, we're killing everybody in this fucking movie. They're killing everybody up in here. So, <laughs> so far, only three people, maybe four, if you count the dead lady from the beginning of the movie. So he ends up getting away from the monsters and getting out of there. And as he comes up, he has the unfortunate you know, timing to tell everybody what's down there and basically what's happened to Bertie and Alice, right? So he gathers everybody together and they're basically going to figure out a place and a plan, a strategy to deal with these monsters because nighttime has come. The rains are starting to come and now they're finding out that the phones are down too. Come on. Try the phone. The phones are down. We'll be out of touch till morning for sure. Okay, so what are we really up against here? There is something. The island is undercut by tunnels, all leading to the cemetery. There are things living in it. They are feeding on corpses. Things? Well, what are they? Animals? Mutations. Deformed people. What's left of the Van Dams is survived the fire. They eat human flesh. Embalmed flesh. By removing the corpses from the island, you've taken away their food supply. Now, they're desperate. They're mad. And they're very hungry. They're coming after us. The good news is they're extremely sensitive to light. Let's move to the lighthouse. Everybody will be safe there. How do you know that you're going to be safe at the lighthouse? Like, that's the place that you're deciding that you need to fucking go to? Is the place that just happens to have light in the name? I mean, it really doesn't make any fucking sense, right? Like, there's got to be a stronger structure. Or maybe you just try to get away from everything that, you know, you can get to. Hey, there's a bunch of tunnels everywhere. Where do you think would be the weirdest place that a tunnel might not be, right? 
You just go to that location. But the lighthouse, really, that seems like it's like right in the area of everything that's kind of going on here. You're going to be in the danger zone, okay? Kenny Loggins wrote songs about this, that this is the way that everything is going to go. It's a highway right into the danger zone by going into the goddamn lighthouse. You think that they don't have a way to get there from their underground tunnels? Oh, I guess that's just the way they're going, because we have a light inside that is meant for boats, that is, like, unless you're going to be on the roof of that place the entire time, or you're going to be in the room where, like, the light is at its brightest, and nothing could possibly get in there, there's no way, you know exactly, it's built structurally sound, then go to the fucking lighthouse. But it seems like the only reason they're going there is because it's going to have the most light out of every place that they're going to. So from here, we also see that, you know, Kathleen and John, they have now come back from being at the Van Damme estate, and John is just not doing very well. And eventually, they get into the doctor's place, and he's almost collapsing on the table. Kathleen is really worried about him, John just doesn't seem like he has the power anymore, even after he's learned all these things. And here comes the doc, and he comes over to him and he says, Hey, I know what you have, and I know how to solve this whole fucking thing. So, how do you think that he is going to solve the sickness that poor John has? Any guesses? Anything at all? Well, I'll tell you. He tells John... That the only way that he's going to solve this sickness is to eat the fucking fetus in the formaldehyde. He doesn't really tell him, but he puts the fetus on the table and basically is like, Okay, that's going to solve your shit. And then Kathleen is there with the fetus. She's looking at it and she looks at John. And meanwhile, everybody else is there all getting together and they're preparing and trying to get to the lighthouse. If anything, I would have stayed somewhere on the docks. Like, thinking about the whole thing. Because if that one thing was dumb enough to just run into the water, you would think there's no tunnels that would take them over there unless these people are strong enough to start knocking down the docks and, like, putting you into the water. That's where I would have gone, but that's just fucking me. But anyway, so she's there, and she looks at him, and she's like, Look, this is gonna save you. I'm not gonna think any different of you. Just don't leave me. What? Just don't leave me? Like, you think him eating the baby is going to automatically make him be like, look, I'm just a monster, so, you know, I don't want to deal with this anymore? I guess maybe that's where she's going with the whole thing. And, you know, it's I guess it's an appropriate fear for the whole thing is to think that he just doesn't think he can come back from it anymore. But she knows, and she's just basically trying to say, look, I love you, and I love you enough that if you do this, and we can figure out how to solve your whole blood mystery, you know, you can do this this once, feel better, and then let's go and get you fucking solved. And so, he goes into the bathroom, he he strips himself naked, and that's the only way that he's going to Christopher Reeves this fucking shit and eat the fucking fetus. Like, the only way that I'm going to do this, I have to be completely naked to, to eat the fucking fetus. Why? Why can't, why can't you just eat it with a nice Chianti and some fava beans and just leave it over there and be perfectly fine? Instead, no, I got to go into the bathroom. I got to look at myself in the mirror and I got to make sure that I'm still human while I eat this. 
Like, is he going to grow a vagina by eating the fucking fetus? Is that what's going to happen? Like, automatically, the hermaphroditic powers are going to sink into his body. And he's like, oh no, I never realized underneath my testicles, there is a vagina. And then he lifts up and then it's like a ray of fucking golden light that just shoots out. And it's like, vagina! (laughs) Fucking going Wonder Woman on him or some shit. Um... And so he eats it. And he turns around. And he looks at Kathleen who sees him there. And he's like, hey, I'm naked. Why don't you get naked? And then we can have sex. And so they have sex. And this is where I can tell that it's like... Why they made the rating the way they did. Or why they removed it from uh, bleeders and not hemoglobin. Because this basically is softcore fucking porn. Like this is two minutes of them straight up fucking. And like with the motions. With him like sucking on her tits. With I'm surprised that she didn't go down on him. And do the whole thing to get him ready. Like I'm surprised I did not see more. With how gratuitous this sex is. And the, you know... <laughs> I think again, think back to my wife. And I'm glad that she didn't see this version that young, even though it probably wouldn't have been anything because I know that her parents were very vocal about things when she was a kid. But still, nonetheless, I couldn't imagine that she's just hanging out back there in a room by herself. Oh, it's time for my favorite part of the movie the time where they bang. <laughs> Of course, that might have been me if I was watching this film at that age. You know, because I would have been a, a horny teenager at that time. And so this this would have been perfect. It would have been like, oh yeah. Because honestly, it's an awkward and not necessarily, um, you know, entertaining scene. But it definitely is erotic. Like, it's enough that you could at least get like a, you know, a half a chub, maybe a full chub while you're watching the scene. Because honestly, Kathleen's pretty goddamn hot. Like, for the way that this is. And I'm very surprised that she, you know, showed all the boob that she showed in this scene. And, you know, we even got, like, a little bit of Alice boob, but that's when she was dead. But we got all the boob in the beginning, and now all of a sudden we're getting this long... And I'm saying it's a long fucking scene for a sex scene in a movie. It probably isn't even two minutes, but it feels like it went on for that fucking long. And it's just so weird. It's just like, hey, you just ate a fetus, so let's fuck. And I think it's more or less like she's trying to be like, look, we're going to be normal. Because even before, when he just wanted to get down and busy and he was like being a little more forceful, she was like, no, I'm not going to let this happen. It can't be this way. But she's totally cool after he's got like baby fetus breath to just fucking make out with him and fuck the shit out of him. Okay. Like, it's it's just one of those things where it's, I don't want you to leave, so I want to show you, you know what? It's going to be the other thing to not get him to leave. Tell him that you're fucking pregnant. Why don't you fucking do that? At this point, we figured out what your blood disease is. Guess what? I'm fucking pregnant. And now we need to figure out what the fuck is going on so that way our child doesn't necessarily end up with the same shit like you. And look, you can be normal. Why won't you tell him that? Instead, you let him do what he's doing, you let him fuck you again, and then we get to what's going on later in the movie, which pisses me off even fucking more. So, we then see them, they now join the rest of the party, they're all in the lighthouse, and we see that... 
The one lady that gave the weird little speech about her sister being fucking mute. Uh, she's out there looking around and the mutants get to her and her sister sees it. And her sister utters a small word, I guess, which I believe is her name. And it's like tout or some shit like that. And basically is saying that she's, you know, dead uh, because she got killed by the mutants out there. And, you know, the one lady there, she basically says, oh, here, have this knife because this knife is going to protect you and you can get revenge on those mutants if they come in. And then we go back and we see that the mutants, at least they're polite mutants because they are walking up to the lighthouse, you know, in the dark, in the rain. And they do manage to knock on the door and just make sure that, hey, can we come in? You know, it's okay. We've just got like sticks and stones and that's how we fucking kill people, you know. And (laughs) just let us in. Let us get our revenge. And that's where, you know, you you kind of get the whole thing with... and, and. Really, Dr. Merlot said it earlier, look, you're taking away their dead bodies. They eat the dead bodies, right? Now that you've taken away, they're pissed because their food is fucking gone. And now you're expecting them to be nice to you. And so they're coming out, they're coming to kill you because they need new dead bodies, right? And like they did with the girls that you saw earlier, they drain the blood from them entirely and they live off the formaldehyde that has been in the dead bodies in the ground. So they eat the dead flesh, they drink the formaldehyde from them probably as like a, you know, a nice chaser to, you know, a nice uh, 1965 you know, born lady that managed to die there. Oh, this one was is pretty young. It's not necessarily the year that I would like to eat. You know, I want something more that's like in like the 84 range or something like that. And so he's just like, okay, well, we have to protect ourselves. And then they break in from underground, like underneath the lighthouse. And they steal another fucking kid. So Kathleen jumps down after them. And then as Kathleen is basically struggling with it, that's where the mute lady jumps down and she screams this as she throws her knife at the poor little mutant back there. No fucking way! And then she proceeds to get killed by a mutant. (laughs) There is no payoff for her speaking like a sentence and it's not even a sentence, it's a partial sentence. <laughs> she just, no fucking way, throws a knife, stab, kill the guy, and then all of a sudden, here comes Stumpy, and Stumpy pulls her down and slashes her neck with a twig. And then she's dead, so there's no fucking payoff. She didn't avenge her sister, she didn't go fucking hog wild and kill a bunch of them and die in a glaze of fucking glory. No, she just got tripped, and then her neck got slashed, and that's it. That's so useless. So that's five people that are dead, right? Her sister, her, the birdie, Alice, and the one little girl that we saw from the beginning of the movie, all fucking dead. Those are the only people that have died so far, unless you count the one you know lady that died uh, earlier on that was already going to be a body in the grave. And so John notices that... Kathleen is down there and he goes after them and then they're all going after the kid that got kidnapped and so they go down the tunnels they're following the the girls and then eventually they get to the point where John you know he stops them from killing Kathleen and they're kind of backed in the corner then eventually he like he realizes something he's like wait 
he turns into Vin Diesel, and this is his family, right? These are these are all I've ever known. You know, these are the guys, the family. They're going to be the people that I'm going to be the rest of my life with. And Catherine, of course, she pleads with him that no, she he should be coming with her. Come. I can't get you here. Please. No time. So what you hear what happens in there is that he slices, he uses that thing that the nurse gave him. And basically that is like their tools that they use to cut people, right? And so they gave it to him as a baby because they basically wanted him to learn how to go out there and fend for himself and cut. But the baby was cutting himself uh, because he just didn't know how to use it yet. Right? So that's like his little weapon that he has there. And he uses that weapon to kill the kid that they brought down there and to suck out his blood. And that's when he's like, no, I am home. And then the earthquake happens and it starts closing the cave. And so, you know, Dr. Marlowe and Kathleen, they have to leave. And that's where I'm just like, why doesn't she tell him at that moment? Like, as he's like trying to walk away... And she's like, come with me. And he's like, no. And then why does she said like, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant with your kid. And maybe he would have changed his mind. Like, look, you don't have to be with them. You can be with me. We can be a family. We can be, you know, everything. We can find out how we can live with whatever you have. Which she tells him earlier, too. We can find a cure for whatever it is that is ailing you in this blood disease. But she does nothing here to stop him from going with his mutant family. I get it. That's where he thinks he belongs. But he's lived so much in our world. Why does he change so fucking quickly? Like, he gets there and he just fucking... That's it? Like, okay, you eat one fucking fetus and then that's it? You just automatically go? If it's just formaldehyde that he needs, just fucking buy him a fucking bottle of formaldehyde and make him eat fucking taxidermied animals. Just do something different. You want cow? Well, this is formaldehyde cow. This is your formaldeburger that you're going to have. You don't have to eat human flesh. We can make it kind of like human flesh, but get some of the stuff that you need. I mean, there's plenty of, like, plant-based proteins that are out there now, so maybe if this happened today, maybe they would have, like, a human-based protein that he could eat that was filled with formaldehyde that might have let him live longer. But she doesn't really fucking fight for him at all. And the fact that she's having his kid and she's willing to overlook all this shit, why doesn't she say something right now? She just, okay, fine, go do what you're going to fucking do. Like, that's it. And then the cave collapses and they manage to all fucking escape. So we go up into the surface and we see the next day 
and we see that everybody is basically leaving the island because they know that on this island there are mutants. Nobody wants to fucking live there anymore, and they don't want to deal with the threat that's going to happen because they've removed all the dead bodies there. So everybody is basically leaving, and she's getting ready to go along with Dr. Marlowe, and we get a little bit of an ending for her arc in the movie. Why? Oh, yeah. I don't know what to do with that, John. I don't know what to do. I'm sure. Do it fast. The baby moved. The baby moved. So I guess the ending to her arc is that she can't deal with John anymore and, you know, she needs him, but now she's going to have the baby. So that's going to be the next best thing to actually having him as her husband because she really was in love with him, I guess, not just because he was dependent upon her. It's kind of a weird situation that she's got. And again, if she's feeling this way, why didn't she even try to fight for him? Like, she doesn't do anything but sit back and be like, okay, well, go ahead. Go be with your family. You know? It's just weird. And then she's like, oh, I felt the baby kick. And she's not even, again, It's there's no worry about what she had in the beginning of the film, which was, is whatever he has genetic? Which... It is. So eventually, is she going to give birth to either one of those mutant things? Or is she going to give birth to a regular guy that's going to have a hankering for human uh, decayed flesh with a hint of formaldehyde? I don't know. We don't really get any type of resolution other than they're going to take them off. And now, can she get a divorce? I don't know. It's till death do you part. Do you say that he's dead and you can't prove that he's dead because nobody can find him on the island and then she's going to be single for the rest of her life raising some kid? She's basically turning into the nurse just like the nurse there was on the island. We're not saying if the, that necessarily was he was her kid, right? Maybe there's a little bit of a hint to that because now that Kathleen is having this baby that she's had with him, maybe that's why it's going to be normal. We don't know. So it's just kind of left there. She's going off, you know, to have her life, have the kid. And then what exactly is going to happen with John? And we get a little epilogue with that boring fucking narrator once again. And then we get the end credits of the movie. And so it came to pass that John was reunited with the Van Damme family. And he found that he too had a twin. And although his sister could make love to herself, she welcomed her long-lost brother and loved him too.
And that was hemoglobin. And what the fuck? He has a twin fucking sister. What kind of bullshit? But the twin fucking sister is a hermaphrodite. And he managed to be normal. Like, you're not going to just make her a normal person, too. That, hey, there were two normal people. One of them got left behind. And he was given a whole new fucking life instead. And even though she couldn't make her own children, you know, she wanted to have his. And it's the same fucking girl from the beginning of the movie, too. And he's the same fucking guy from the beginning of the movie as well. If you couldn't, like, it was just a fucking mustache that was the difference between the two characters. Okay? He had a mustache over here. You can't recognize him. He's Mr. Shrub. And this is Mr. Burns. You know, it's ridiculous that that's how they decided to show the difference between these two different characters that weren't fucking different so that you didn't get the gist that hey guess what he was one of the mutant people too even though it's really fucking clear and really fucking obvious that he was one of those people so what do I think of this film it's it's just a bad movie like it seemed like it took way too long to get interesting, even though they gave a lot of stuff in the beginning. And they were a lot of like, what the fuck? And there were some funny moments in it that were so bad that they're funny. But overall, it was just really, really slow. Like, And then when it finally started doing stuff, it was like, oh shit, we're in Act 3 already. We only have 20 minutes left to do it. And here's where all the monsters are going to come out. Like I said, I think I would have really enjoyed learning about the Duchess more as the movie moved along. Like, if they really just started with them showing up on the island, investigating, maybe doing a little bit more. Do we necessarily need the townsfolk? Maybe we just need the doctor, and he's going around with the doctor, and he's like, they're finding out little things. You know, it could be, and, and this is, you know, a video game reference, I get it, but it could be like the transformation that Sephiroth has in Final Fantasy VII. Spoiler for anybody that's never played that game before, but there's a really great section in that game as he learns exactly what he is. I guess I don't have to spoil anything, honestly. But, you know, he spends a lot of time doing research and reading, and the scene is really well done because you see the change in his character over time, right? And honestly, this would be coming out around the same time that that came out, and that did this type of thing better. Um, and you could have done something like that, that as he's explored the mansion, and you, you kind of see the monsters here and there, you know, you maybe you run into them once in a while, you could have focused on, on that aspect of him, him learning himself, and eventually being like, ah, oh, I'm one of them, and this is where I belong, and I belong to do with them. And then she could have been like, no, guess what? I'm fucking pregnant. And now we need to deal with this fucking situation. And then he didn't have to go back and find out that he has a twin sister that he needs to fuck. Because the only thing that's going to make him feel good is to eat fucking dead bodies and have incest. That's the moral of this fucking story for John, And it sucks. I hate that that's what he has to do to get through this whole thing. So, am I glad I watched this movie? Yeah, because I want to see what all the hype was that came from my wife. And even ask him, like, why did you like this movie? Like, I asked her straight up. And she's like, she doesn't know. It's just a bad movie. She likes bad horror movies, so she likes this movie. That's her explanation for it. And it frustrates the shit out of me, to be honest. Because I really want to be like, why? Why? Like, how can you enjoy it? Because it's not a, to me, it's not like a so bad it's good movie. It's just a so bad it's bad movie. And, uh... 
So if I'm going to rate this thing on my normal scale that I do, the crap factor of this movie and how crappy it is, it's a 4 out of 5. Like, it has some good moments. I think that Rutger Hauer put in a decent phoned-in performance, but he's probably the best. But I did like that person that played Birdie. I thought that that character was at least true to its roots and was entertaining to watch. John was terrible. And the makeup for him was terrible. He just put a little bit of white powder on his face and he's a fucking albino. Give him one fucking contact and there we go. We're all set. Like, that's it. And there was nothing interesting about the monsters or anything like that. Other than that, they were hermaphrodites that could have sex with themselves and reproduce for themselves. And that they looked like fucking Dobby did uh, when the Lord... When, <laughs> I was about to say the Lord of the Rings when the Harry Potter movies came out. That's basically it. That's that's what you got going for it. Uh, the gore factor, it's like a 1 out of 5. There's nothing really fucking gory. The only thing that's kind of gory that might boast, like, boost it into a 2 territory is when you see the body on the table. If anything, there's more gratuitous nudity in this movie, which again, is weird for me to say for this type of film, than anything else that is in there. So, if you're bothered by anybody seeing nudes... I guess that's fine. If you found bleeders, I think it would be, and this is kind of a weird thing for me to say, but I think it would be okay for kids to see because there, you know, really isn't anything that bad in it. Other than the monsters might be kind of scary, and I'm not saying like really young kids, but if you had kids between the ages of 10 or 10 on up, I think they could see this and it would be okay. But I would definitely find, uh, the bleeders version and not hemoglobin if you're worried about the nudity um and i guess that's why it's okay for my wife to watch this type of thing if she saw the half version when she was that young uh the fun factor it's a two out of five it's it has its moments um i think sometimes the acting from john being so bad is entertaining and can be funny that scene with the one mutant running off the dock it's fucking hilarious to me. Um, and I laugh. And even the... When the poor mute girl just dies shittily. It's great. Like, that part is great. But there's nothing really, like, funny. It's truly played, like, straightforward. And I guess maybe Birdie was kind of the comic relief. But she wasn't really funny. She was just a bitch. And so, that's, that's it. And even the old lady up on top. Like, it's funny. But... How long are you really going to fucking wait up there that you're going to be like, oh, I'm just waiting for the day that he fucking shows up and then he shows up 40 fucking years later when, you know, he's going to have a kid. Okay, now I get to die. You know, it's just weird and kind of dumb. So overall, I'm going to give this two to five uh, kid deaths out of... Two kid deaths out of five, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um... And I think that for some, like, your mileage is going to vary. I mean, it's really accessible to see it right now. It's available on YouTube in multiple places. It's available to rent from Amazon Prime if you don't like watching it that way. Um, and I think it's called The Descendants on Amazon Prime. But you can also look up Bleeders or Hemoglobin. If you really want to see Hemoglobin the way that it was meant to be seen, I think you have to watch it on YouTube. And the best one I saw was the one that was with the Greek subtitles. So if you can stand just random Greek flashing up upon the screen and while you're watching it, then just watch that version. I mean, I was okay with it. It's only like an hour and 27 minutes, somewhere around there. So it's a really quick watch. 
Um, and even going through and grabbing everything for this, it still didn't take as much time as some of the other movies did. And, but the sound quality is terrible. I don't. I couldn't find one that had a good sound quality that wanted to be the one that I wanted to watch. I had to turn the volume way, way up. But the good news is, is that when you did that, the action moments, quote unquote, uh, did not like blare out everywhere everything kind of remained at the same kind of level so that's not too bad and it's not really like it's action-packed or filled with horror or anything like that it's just a movie so with all that being said what's the next movie that we're going to watch well i decided that might as well stay in the 90s and let's deal with the things that are under places and so we're going to be looking at a movie from wes craven and that is the people under the stairs. In every neighborhood, there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid. Now, Wes Craven, creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street, takes you inside. Something's in there. We gotta get out of here, Leroy. All sorts of rumors about what goes on in that house. The police never took it serious. She's been feeding that thing between the walls again. Very, very tense about this. Ah! There must be another way out. Can't get out. No one ever has. What goes on in this house is a sin. Father's one sick mother, you know that? Actually, your mother's one sick mother, too. But what goes on under the stairs <laughs> is a nightmare. It is time to clean house! Help me in there! Wes Craven's the people under the stairs. So it's a movie that I've been looking forward to like talking to for a bit. And it's a movie that I remember got recommended by a friend way back in the day. It was actually one of his favorite movies. Um, and I think that it has a lot of really good commentary that's still good for today. And I'm not going to really make it about that, of course. You know, I don't try to get that way. But I still think that it's a very fun movie to watch. And I hope that it is going to remain that way. Now, it's available on Shudder. So if you have Shudder, you can watch it for free with your subscription. Otherwise, it's available to rent on things like Amazon, YouTube, Google, all those places out there. I'm pretty sure that you could find it if you really wanted to watch it. There's a really great interview with Sean Whalen, uh, who was in The People Under Stairs as Roach. And it's on the Bizarre Cast's feed. So if you go and check out the Bizarre Cast, you can go see that interview with Sean or wa- listen to that interview. I almost said watch. Jesus, what the fuck is wrong with me? It's the end of the podcast. But you can go listen to that interview with him. Um, there's not really a whole lot of talk about it, but it's an interesting kind of chat with that guy. And uh, it's very, after you watch this movie, it's kind of interesting to hear him just kind of like talk about his career and what, what he's done. And I know at that time that the interview was done, he was, you know, advertising something else. 
But uh, I, I definitely think that you should go and check out that episode of the Bizarre Cast. And if you haven't listened to that and or haven't listened in a long time, go out and just listen to some episodes. Pick out a couple good ones uh, that you can go and listen to. But make sure that I think before this one that you just check out that interview with Sean Whalen because, like I said, it's really, really interesting. Um, don't forget as well to check out the rest of the um, SIP Network podcast, which are From the Wastes, Back in Time podcast, uh, Paranormal Pativity, Angry Dad, Podcast from Another World, Dead Hen Radio, and Five Faith from Fans. It'd be like that podcast, as well as the Terrible Terror podcast. So check everybody out. And I think that there was a new one that's been added. That's another one with Ben that I cannot, I'm totally forgetting that can't remember the name of the goddamn, I think something to do with Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> well, basically him and the not so angry mom, they get together and they talk about like the paranormal stuff that he's into and the cryptid stuff that he's into, um, that I mean, she's not so into. It's kind of an interesting podcast. Uh, and it's actually a pretty fun time if you want to check it out and listen to it. And I'm terribly sorry if you, I forgot the name of that. Um, so uh, I married a Bigfoot. Boom. Got it. So go check out. I married a Bigfoot. I knew I would remember it if I kept like trailing on. <laughs> would remember it. As for this podcast itself, make sure that you go ahead and follow all the socials. Uh, if you would please check out Twitter t underscore t underscore podcast, Facebook dot com slash terrible terror podcast, and make sure to go check out the YouTube channel that is available out there: Terrible Terror Podcast, Instagram Terrible Terror Podcast. On the YouTube channel, um, I always say I'm trying to do a little more, but. There are some things that are in the works that I'm planning to get up within the next few weeks or so. So make sure that you check it out and check out the last review that I did on uh, that terrible, terrible movie that we saw with uh, Paranormal Pat. So thank you guys very much for listening. Take care of yourselves and each other's.